one of the biggest things is, is that it's a lifelong disease. It's a lifelong treatable disease. And so I'll be on treatment for the rest of my life. Lung cancer. It's a tough topic. It's a disease that affects patients, families, friends, co-workers. But first, it's a disease that affects people. The Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancer podcast brings you stories about people living, truly living with lung cancer. The researchers dedicated to finding new breakthrough treatments and others who are working to bring hope into the lung cancer experience. Shelly Ingford-Trievenbach is seriously an active gal. She's a music teacher, a very busy mom like you and me, (laughs) a golfer, and she's living with lung cancer. She's also an advocate for other people who are living with lung cancer, and especially other people who are living with ALK-positive lung cancer through her work with an ALK biomarker group. She's really like the embodiment of those patients and patient advocates that are truly as I said before, living with lung cancer. So we checked in with her to find out more about what does that really mean? Well, hey, Shelly, how are you today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Shelly, it's so good to talk to you. I'm really excited about this topic. Yes, I am too. It's always ready to share my story and anything I can do to help further educate people about lung cancer. What we want to get into is this idea of living with lung cancer. And this is so amazing because we've got almost 20 members of the uh, LCFA Speakers Bureau. Um, All people who, or almost all of them, are living with lung cancer years or even in some cases decades after diagnosis. And I really want to help people understand what does it mean to be living with lung cancer? What is your day-to-day life like with lung cancer? Well, unfortunately, it's something that I think about every day because I take, I still take medication every day. One of the biggest things is, is, is that it's a lifelong disease. It's a lifelong treatable disease. And so I'll be on treatment for the rest of my life. And sometimes that's different than other types of cancers where they can go into remission and not have to be on treatment. They're done. They're done, done with treatment and they get to go on living Um, hopefully they don't go into remission, but sometimes that happens too. But for stage four lung cancer, like I've been diagnosed with, we are treated until we're not treated anymore. (laughs) So it's almost kind of like a chronic disease, but yet at the same time, when you go in for those tests, there's a term scanxiety because you're waiting, right? To find out whether the lung cancer is progressing, whether it's regressing, whether um, there's no evidence of disease. How do you prepare yourself for that? Um, it's, it's a mindset. It definitely is a mindset that you have to have. And I just try to keep it positive, as positive as, as, I, as I can. Um, this last scan that I had last week showed that I had a little bit of growth in my brain met area that I've been treating the last couple of years. And so that gives me more anxiety looking forward to another scan in less time because of this. They want to watch it closer. But um, there have been times, too, where I've gone two years without anything with being stable. And that stable is great. You know, you want to hear that or you want to hear no evidence of disease, of course, is always the best. 
Um, but you just have to, it's, it's your, it's your mindset. It really is. And you have to keep it positive and, and, and think positively in any way you can. Can I ask you to step back just for a second? We're using some terms that I think are so common in the lung cancer space. And I want to make sure that everybody understands what stage four means, what no evidence of disease means, and what brain mets are. Can you give us a quick description of what that means to you in your situation? So brain mets are brain metastasis. That's the lung cancer spreading to the brain area. So brain mets, that's a real common thing, right? Uh, yes. Over half people that have lung cancer, my type of lung cancer, um, will have mets that spread to the brain area. That's unfortunate, but that's just kind of the nature of the disease. And you were diagnosed at stage four. Correct. Stage four, meaning it has moved to more than just your primary organ. It's to another organ. And for me, I had it in the fluid around my heart. That's where they found it. So that was automatic stage four. I'm still considered stage four because I have um, the brain metastasis, as, as we talked about. And then we talked about no evidence of disease. What does, how would you define that? Um, no evidence of disease, meaning when you scan, there's no evidence of the cancer um, in those scans, whether it be a brain MRI or a CT scan. You can be NED in either one of those or both of those areas. This is such an incredible vocabulary to acquire all of this information and all of this learning. What is that like after you're diagnosed to, to jump into a world of all of this technology and information and jargon? Is that scary or is it, or you kind of, you get access to those, that background and terminology and feel like you have a little more control over it? What's that like? Um, well, first it's very overwhelming. Um, I, when I first was diagnosed, I went to a, a patient online site and they were using all these acronyms and, oh, I just couldn't figure them all out. So I looked a bunch up and then I befriended uh, <laughs> who's a, a good friend now and just asked her, I said, what does this mean? And what does that mean? And, and so you, it, it's a quick learning curve because it's your life and, and you have to be responsible for learning um, all these things that you need to know to um, help you survive. Shelly, you, um, you had to learn a lot, and I'm sure you had to learn a lot because you, you got five-second opinions to find out what was going on. Is that right? Yes. I went, I, well, I settled on my fifth is, is where I settled down in Chicago eventually. Why would you go for five-second opinions? Um, I, I, I just knew in my gut something was missing, and it was, it was they were all saying three to six months, and I wasn't feeling like that's all I had left because I, I was feeling pretty good. Even though I was taking chemotherapy, I, I was thinking, no, I have more life to live than this. And it, it was just something innate in me and kept me going. And luckily it did. <laughs> and so I did get that fifth opinion. And then they sent my tumor block off. And lo and behold, I did have one of the muta mutations, the elk mutation. So an AOK mutation, would it be fair to say that that's a specific type of lung cancer and they had, they were in a clinical trial, um, and maybe you can explain a little bit about the clinical trials that you've been in, but they were in a clinical trial looking to see whether or not they had medication that would, that would target that specific tumor. Is that correct? Um, well, when I initially got the results back that I was ALK mutation, I was on chemotherapy. And so I stayed on that line until it, it 
I had progression, and then I went on to, to what we call inhibitors. And those inhibitors, um, and they were, there was one approved at the time um, that I got my um, ALK diagnosis, and I was in that clinical trial for 28 months, and then it stopped working. Um, that's when I got the majority of my brain mess. And so then I went into another clinical trial, and that's where I've been the last two and a half years. So an ALK mutation, again, we're getting into terminology, and I want to make sure that everybody understands it. So you had biomarker testing. So they take a little, explain that, a little piece of your tumor and do what with it? They look at it under a microscope, and then they, they check to see what type of cancer cells you have, and if any of them are um, treated easy, more easier with a medication rather than chemotherapy. There's several different types of these biomarkers that you can have, and that's why that doctor sent this off, because he thought I should fit into one of those categories. I really want to drive home here that this is a change in your treatment that was driven by your commitment to getting a second opinion and finding an oncologist who was really going to work hard for you. What is that like when you are going through that process of talking to doc after doc and they're saying, yeah, really, no, there's nothing we can do for you. What drove you to keep asking and to keep finding more information? I mean, how did you know what to ask for? Um, well, my desire to live. Um, I have had young children at the time, and now I'm getting to see them grow, which is a blessing. I think that was my probably my biggest desire at that time was to not wanting to leave my family. And so, and, and actually, in, in reality, I did too, like with all my jobs, and I was a former teacher, I, I, I don't take no for an answer, especially if I believe in something is right or wrong. I just really, I'm, I'm a fighter that way. And so it was disheartening, but the, the further I got into my journey, I also had made many on, online friends going through the same type of journey and them saying the same thing about my case. Oh, why don't, I, I'm pretty sure you should have the ELK mutation or the EGFR mutation. So that, that drove me too, that kept me going and, and wanting to find the truth. Shelley, were you ever worried when you started looking at clinical trials that you wouldn't get any treatment? Because I know that's what a lot of people worry about is that they either get treatment or they don't get treatment. It's a misconception. No, it wasn't because I, I did some research and I talked to the physicians and they all told me that if you don't get this drug, the, what, the, what the new drug is, you always get the standard of care or better. So I always knew that I'd be getting something, but not because... Um, because I'd asked, yeah. Will you tell us a little bit about your friendship? You are such wonderful close friends with Lisa, um, who's also on the Speakers Bureau. And it sounds like she kind of was a guide to you. And talk about how that's part of your advocacy work now um, to help other people with their journey understand terminology and you've helped on the Hope with Answers project as well. So talk about that part of your lung cancer advocacy. Um, yeah, Lisa's a great friend and I ran into her mom and her um, not only on the online information or this online group we were a part of and they, that's where I met, met them initially and then I got to meet them in person at a targeted therapies convention 
And then we just kind of hit it off and became really close friends. And the way that she interacted with me, I thought, oh, I could do that. I'm an educator by trade. And so as soon as as I got over my anger about having the disease and being misdiagnosed four times before the fifth doctor finally got it right, um, I wanted to help. And I wanted to help educate. Uh, not only with um, LCFA with their Hope with Answers, which is an amazing project that I'm so glad to be a part of, um, but just being a mentor for local patients. I get calls probably two to three times a month just from people that I know, either in the lung cancer community or just in the community. And they say, oh, so-and-so got diagnosed with lung cancer. Will you talk to them? And so I, I educate and help as many people as I can. So what I'm hearing is that it's a matter of getting your head around your disease, trying to stay as positive as possible, educating yourself, seriously advocating yourself. I mean, five second opinions until you really got the treatment that you need. And then for you, giving back and paying it forward a bit really is your lung cancer journey. Is that a good wrap, do you think, of of what we've talked about? Yeah, I think so. That's pretty much in a nutshell. Thank you so much. I, we are so grateful for you sharing your story and for everything that you do on behalf of lung cancer advocacy and for Lung Cancer Foundation of America. We really appreciate it. You're an inspiration, Michelle. <laughs> Thank you so much. We hope you're enjoying the LCFA Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancer podcast. It's produced as part of our nonprofit mission, the support and expansion of lung cancer research accomplished by raising funds that serve to increase the public's awareness of lung cancer status as the leading cause of cancer death, inform and educate lung cancer patients in their lung cancer journey, and fund innovative lung cancer research. Welcome back. You might have seen a recent newspaper article about the largest ever one-year decline in the U.S. cancer death rate, a drop credited to advances in lung tumor treatments. This is just like amazing news that wouldn't have been possible without research, which is LCFA's primary mission, to fund cutting-edge research that may lead to new treatments to help lung cancer patients live longer, which we all really want, and healthier lives. Research is the key. And I recently chatted with one of our favorite people. Oh my gosh, I love her. Dr. Alice Berger of the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center (laughs) in Seattle, Washington. And she is an amazing young investigator working on a research grant that's partly funded by LCFA, Lung Cancer Foundation of America. And she explains how lung cancer research like hers helps people living with lung cancer live longer and healthier. Gosh, I think in this day and age, you can see practically, you know, week by week or year by year, the progress that is being made. And so I can't understate the importance of of research on patients and and their families and the community. I was inspired to be a lung cancer researcher after learning about the discovery of EGFR mutations and the recognition that only patients with tumors that have that type of mutation respond to EGFR targeted therapies. And that totally revolutionized the way that um, cancer patients are treated. 
with lung cancer. And then since that discovery, which was only 15 years ago, there have been dozens of other drugs, maybe even more, that have um, been linked with different genetic alterations. And so now you see new drugs coming out all the time. And for patients, that can mean one more option. If their current therapy fails, and suddenly there's the discovery of another inhibitor and they're in that trial, That's that could be more years on their life. And I've met patient advocates actually through my work with LCFA, like Janet Freeman Daly, where that really happened to them. I mean, she got on a trial for ROS1 inhibitors and um, you know her whole life was changed at that time. And so it's really very clear and kind of you know palpable the impact that you can see on these individuals. So Hope with Answers, you have generously and graciously helped us a number of time on, times on Hope with Answers. And this is called the Hope with Answers podcast. And we, you and I have worked on a Hope with Answers video series where uh, lung cancer patient activists get to talk to people like you, um, investigators. They get to talk to top thoracic oncologists, um, the surgeons, thoracic surgeons. And the patients get to ask the questions. What is it like being involved in that Hope with Answers project? And what do you like about it? Why do you keep why do you keep helping us do these, you know, crazy questions when we come to you and you so graciously say yes? Well, it's been fantastic to meet these different patient advocates, get to know them, get to hear their their story. And in so many ways, I relate to them. A lot of times we're the same age or have similar families and things like that. And I'm just on the other side of the research and they're on the other side of the kind of clinic. And I learn so much from them about what they've been through and what kind of research is important to them. They want to learn from us. And so it really keeps me focused on what my goal, my end goal is, is helping um, more people have the good responses that some of these ladies are seeing. And it really motivates me every day to come back in the lab and, and try to make that next discovery. And one of the things that we try to do with Hope With Answers is make sure that we're asking sort of of the moment questions about research that's happening or discoveries that have, that have just come out. Or even we try to do things like, what's a biomarker and what is a targeted therapy and what are clinical trials and how do they work? Because we're trying to think, what are the questions that somebody might have coming into the lung cancer space for the first time? And they're hearing these terms and hearing these, you know, the doctors sort of saying all of this stuff. And one of the things we try to do is really bring that down to a very accessible level from the point of view of the lung cancer patient. And what I love seeing is you and the other doctors who are so wonderful in helping us interact with these patient advocates. And it seems like it really creates that link between the lab and the patient. What do you think? It's such a nice community. Yeah, these women are like my celebrities. I follow them all on Twitter. So getting to meet them in person was really exciting. And and likewise, the oncologist, because I'm a PhD trained scientist, I'm in the lab full time, I don't interact with patients on a daily basis. And so for me, it really is the link to be able to both talk to the clinicians who are interacting with patients and making those treatment decisions every day, as well as the patients. And so it brings that whole community all together, uh, which is really nice and, and more rare than it should be. Alice is just one of our favorite people to talk to about lung cancer because she has an amazing ability 
to distill incredibly complicated scientific research into such relatable terms about what it really means. This is really about the impact on people's lives. Absolutely. And she is a hoot to talk to as well. I wish you could have seen her fantastic Christmas sweater. It had like little pom-pom balls all over (laughs) Christmas trees. It was fabulous. Did the day that I talked to her. And she is such a down-to-earth person and not at all what you think when you think of a scientific researcher. White coat, right? Right, right. (laughs) You know, she's just so much fun to talk to. Now, up next, we have a word from LCFA board member, Scientific Advisory Board member, Dr. Michael Weitz, on what lung cancer research, like Alice's, means to him personally. Want more with Hope With Answers? Visit us online at lcfamerica.org, where you can find out more information about the latest in lung cancer research, new treatments, and more. You can also join the conversation with LCFA on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We've been talking in this podcast about what it means to be living with lung cancer. We know so many people who are living five, I know. 10, 15 years after diagnosis. And that is a testament to the power of research to change people's lives. Truly is. One of those people is Dr. Michael Weitz. He's an emergency room physician, a member of LCFA's Scientific Advisory Board, and a 14-year lung cancer survivor himself. And he's still working Which as is fantastic. an emergency room physician. It's, it's just amazing. So Dr. Weitz explains what the astounding progress in lung cancer treatment, thanks to research, means to him personally. When I was first diagnosed with lung cancer, treatment was limited to chemotherapy combinations, radiation, and surgery. Five-year survivals hadn't changed in 50 years. Then came targeted therapies and mutational testing. EGFR was the only mutation which could be targeted. A few years later, a rare targetable ALK mutation emerged, and fortunately for me, I tested ALK positive and entered a clinical trial where I was the 66th patient in the world to enroll. I didn't meet resistance until four and a half years. I entered another clinical trial for a second generation drug, which penetrates the central nervous system into the brain and successfully treated my brain metastasis, which had flared up. But when the brain metastasis returned, I entered my third clinical trial for a third generation ALK inhibitor. I have continued for the past one and a half years and am yet to meet resistance. Presently, I have no evidence of cancer. This could not have happened without the critical research, like the projects funded by LCFA. As a member of LCFA's Scientific Advisory Board, we review grant proposals from across North America to fund researchers that are pursuing game-changing research. This is really the only way we can realize my hopes and dream of turning the number one cancer killer into a chronic manageable disease, enabling long healthy, productive lives. 
I think I was born to be a physician and heal patients. And it's one of the greatest gifts that um, I was bestowed is, is to be able to, to help people at their time of need. And specifically with lung cancer, to bring back hope to those who have no hope and to make sure that they are navigating this difficult journey as easy as possible for them. Through the generosity of donors like you, LCFA is able to fund cutting edge research that will lead to new treatments and protocols with the goal of greater survival rates for lung cancer patients everywhere. We can't do it without you. Consider making a donation by visiting lcfamerica.org and clicking on the donate button. When we started working on the Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancers podcast a few months ago, we knew that research was the key to everything we're talking about in the podcast. Still, it's an incredible experience to be working on a project like this and to be able to talk about the wonderful news Truly. yeah, about lung cancer mortality rates dropping. Research is what makes it possible to truly live with lung cancer every day. It's so true. So we'd like to thank LCFA lung cancer advocate Shelley Ingfer Triebenbach for sharing her story with us, Dr. Alice Berger of the Fred Hutchison Cancer Research Center, as well as Dr. Michael Weitz of the LCFA Scientific Advisory Board for sharing their stories because they're all just touched to the heart mm -hmm. by research. And thank you for listening today. We look forward to having you join us again on another Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancer podcast. The Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancer podcast is produced by the Lung Cancer Foundation of America. Find more information online at lcfamerica.org. Thanks for listening.